just out of curiosity, are you a seaman as a ponytail man, or did you like it when he lost the ponytail? He seemed to be a lesser goalkeeper with longer hair. The reverse Samson. So I've said it. Welcome everybody to the final countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. Uh, I am Lewis here, my dancing co-host Adam. Not that you would have seen it. The music overtook me then. Uh, I'm sure many people on their commute were joining in with you. Uh, So it is your turn this week to guide us through another FA Cup final. Uh, Who are we talking about today? It is the 1993 FA Cup final between Arsenal and Sheffield Wednesday, which doesn't sound like the best of kind of starts. No, well, just to jump ahead, I know normally you ask me, so Lewis, what do you know? Yeah. And I can tell you, I know absolutely nothing oh, about really? this FA Cup final, un- unless you're going to tell me a fact. I'm like, oh, it's from that final. Well, you, might, you might remember bits, because there are some good little narratives in this, right? but they're not really about the game. No, sure. If I'm honest. That's uh, what this podcast is becoming. Well, We're basically, yeah, they're like, yeah. this is American life, of like the story behind <laughs> yeah. the final. The final was crap, but let me tell you about all the things, <laughs> which is kind of the start point. Okay. Uh, being that you know nothing about it, the the first game. So there was two games. The replay uh, right. after a draw. Uh, the f- this is the, this must be the last replay final. It is. Oh yes. Look, Look at, at that. you. With your little that. nugget of info. Yeah. By chance. chance. By chance. So they ruled out uh, replays in 1999, but by chance this was the last one because right, none, okay. none of the ones in between. 93 and 99 went to a replay. That is late that they that they officially cancelled replays though. Yeah. That seems like a different era like the idea of 99 being able to do a replay. I think it's it was probably Fergie pressure with United doing very well in Europe oh, and then yeah, other teams point. getting into Europe much more so the fixture fixtures were getting much more congested. Um so I think that's what it was about. Um but this was the last um replay and there's a lot of people that would be like thank god Inevitably, what was happening was that teams were coming uh, with a much less uh, 80s attacking mindset. Yeah. Uh, and they were coming with a let's try not to lose and see if we can nick it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what happened here. Two relatively level teams, both top division, but both not particularly performing, uh, which we're seeing a little bit of a pattern with that kind of like mid table yeah. thing going on uh, in the kind of early 90s. Um, that, you know, I don't know if Europe was changing things where the bigger clubs were going for the bigger competition. That's my assumption. Yeah. The beginning of the end, if in a, well, not the end, but beginning of the transition of what the FA Cup became. Which yeah, was, and the league becoming yes. more dominant than the cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. So a change from the eighties to the nineties, but you know, it's, it's all a bit hindsight. Ultimately, what we've got here is an FA Cup final, which was described as the dullest of <laughs> the dullest and the stalest of stalemates. So uh, welcome to the podcast, guys. Yeah. Uh, we've got another twenty-five minutes of this. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully there are other stories, um, but just to kind of lay the foundation, um, the first game finished one all which we will touch on I mean touch on because there's sure. not a lot else going on there uh, and then uh, Arsenal won the replay um, four days later 2-1 after extra time um, this final was also called the longest final because it was uh, a full game extra time replay yeah. extra time and was 
literally they were in injury time heading to penalties right okay uh, when the deciding moment came which we will get to when you when you first said it's the longest ever final i thought it was some kind of existential thing of like it just went you just felt well like i think it. there was an element where people yeah there was yeah, tongue in cheek like has this game been going on for 74 hours yeah and also the second game was delayed by half an hour because of an accident on the m1 motorway <laughs> that's true that sounds that's like i'm great. making up that's actually no, true that's so it was delayed so that's it's this man when will this final end late on thursday night it still wasn't over um, but anyway, so there's some interesting uh, bits of info that kind of make this an interesting story. Uh, the first of one, um, the first of them, it, it involves a guy called Steve Morrow. Do you remember Steve Morrow? I don't. Oh, you'll, name. you'll love this. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, so first of all, Arsenal became the first English side to achieve a domestic cup double. Oh, the League Cup as well. The League Cup and the FA Cup. Interesting. Um, they'd won the 1993 uh, League Cup just before, a few weeks before this, against... Not... Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. I was like, why is he bringing that up? I was like, it was either Liverpool or Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday. So That must never have happened never before. Never happened before, yeah. never happened since. Wow. Uh, so a completely unique situation where both cup finals in English football were played by two teams. Which is astonishing, really, because you think about, like, I know it doesn't always happen like this, but you think about the dominance of some teams over the years, yeah. like your Man City's, your Man United, yeah, 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 whoever. Yeah. The idea that they haven't managed to get to two consecutive finals and just, like the two Manchester teams haven't slugged it out over two... No. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't seem like Well, the only like one I could think unusual. of was Liverpool in 2001, didn't they, win the League Cup? And was that part of the treble? Uh, they yeah, we a, did. A Europe, we, yeah, we won them both. Yeah, UEFA, FA League Cup and League Cup. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think they played no, Arsenal. No, exactly. Because um, that would have you know, it, was Bur- it was Birmingham in the League Cup. I love the fact you know that. Well, it's, it's my duty to know, really. But yeah, it was a forgettable game. We we struggled against Deportivo Alaves in the UEFA Cup. Oh, we struggled against Birmingham in the League Cup. And then we beat Arsenal. So if you tuned in for the Niche Liverpool Info podcast, <laughs> we're not doing that. So anyway, back to Steve Morrow. So oh, yeah. poor old Steve Morrow had scored the winner in the, in the League Cup final. Tony Adams, in his exuberant celebration, lifted Steve Morrow onto his shoulders. Mm-hmm. So this is after the League Cup final. Sure. He dropped Steve Morrow... Uh, he fell off, dropped really awkwardly. It's it's not what nice to watch, yeah. and he breaks his arm <laughs> after the league cup final. So he doesn't get to receive his medal. That's so he's brutal. denied all that. He was rushed off to hospital straight oh, away. Wow. It was quite bad. Um, so Steve Morrow became the first player to receive a league cup winners medal before the FA Cup <laughs> final. That's good. Yeah. That's so great. they presented it to him on the pitch, uh, rubbing in the fact that he couldn't play oh, in the FA wow. Cup final either. Um, so poor old Steve Morrow, but yeah, that's um, that's folklore. That is that. That's uh, great. That's that, a good little fact as well. Yeah. <laughs> poor old Steve. Um, for Sheffield Wednesday, this was their first cup final since 1966. Crazy. That is wow. nuts, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So a long old time. Um, obviously not this was their... They'd been in the League Cup final sure. previously, but this is their first FA Cup final since 1966. Most significantly for Wednesday, they had seen off, and I remember this, they'd seen off their bit rival Sheffield United in the semi-final. Oh, nice. Uh, the old uh, Steel City derby. Yeah, it was full on uh, with one goal, um, David Hurst's goal, uh, separating the two teams. A very tight, intense semi-final. I've never watched Sheffield United versus Sheffield Wednesday with any interest, but that day at Wembley, yeah. it, was, it was a really like, full-on game. Yeah, absolutely. So Sheffield Wednesday, Chris Waddle was the main, yeah, uh, the main guy, you know, in the form of his life, and we'll get to why that was a bit weird that he was in the form of his life and yet ignored by Taylor. Um, also, sorry, this is ta- this is very much a tangent. Did Sheffield Wednesday? So I know pretty much nothing other than Waddle played for them. Yeah. Did they also have uh, American guy John Harks? 
Hawks. John Hawks. Uh, what was his John, name? It is Hawks, isn't is it? it? Yeah, yeah I, I just right. remember yeah, they yeah, had yeah. an American, which seemed really like yeah. exotic back then. <laughs> I just remember being like, "There's an American playing football. What's yeah. going on here?" Yeah, yeah, he was there. Uh, you had um, uh, Chris Woods in goal. Um, uh, obviously, England's number two. England's number two. Number two. Yeah. Uh, you had David Hurst. You might remember from Panini sticker books. I mean, I remember the sticker books. I don't remember David Hurst. Yeah, David Hurst was there. So he he actually scored in the first game. So, I mean, it, the, the first game um, was uh, this kind of drab one-all draw uh, and Hurst scored, but significantly Ian Wright scored. Yes. Uh, and again, and he's closing in on um, Rush's record. record. I think it was five. As it, yeah, Rush scored five. Right, yeah. So this was uh, Wright's third goal. And nice. we'll get to the fact um, in the replay that he again closes in. So just one other notable thing uh, for the last Arsenal appearance by veteran defender David O'Leary. Uh, oh, what a legend. Yeah, so he left shortly afterwards to join Leeds. Leeds? Yeah. That's right. Uh, after an 18-year spell um, with Arsenal, which Whoa. had yielded 722 competitive games and six major trophies. I, I knew he was a like Arsenal legend, but I didn't realise he'd played that yeah, much yeah, for the club. Yeah. That is crazy. So David O'Leary, and he, it's a lovely moment actually, when they lift the cup, he happened to be last up the stairs with George Graham. Uh, oh, and nice. and by, he said it happened by complete chance yeah. that he was last. He was just talking to somebody and he kind of like walked up. He, obviously he was a bit of a squad player by then rather than, I think he'd come on as a sub. And him and George Graham had the cup. And he was like, I don't know how the cup ended up at the back of the, they just kept passing yeah. it down rather than the captain take it off. And he said he had this moment where him and George Graham lifted the cup. That's great. Uh, that's lovely. Uh, that's the closing shot of the film, isn't that's it? That's it. Yeah, that's yeah, great. exactly that. He said it was perfect. So that's good old David O'Leary. But th- there's a great story with Sheffield Wednesday that kind of leads up to the FA Cup final. So it's not really about the FA Cup final, but because the FA Cup final was described as the stalest of <laughs> stalemates, I went looking. Yes! Jensen! Sean Jensen has finally got one right! And I actually remember this. Okay. Um, so... Paul Warhurst, um, you might know him. I think he played for Blackburn in their champion championship league, right, okay. uh, as in their Premier League Premier winning, league winning um, campaign. Yeah, but he was a story long before the, before this. So the story for Sheffield Wednesday that season had been their central defender, Paul Warhurst, who briefly became one of the country's top strikers. And this is surreal. Yeah. So earlier in the season, Trevor Francis, the manager of Sheffield Wednesday, he had an injury problem. And he suggested to Paul Warhurst that he needed to play him up front. So obviously he'd seen something about him that that he thought he could play up front. He had no strikers fit. David Hurst was injured. Um, the other uh, striker for Sheffield Wednesday was injured. He was like, I need to play up front. When Trevor Francis said, when I first mentioned it to Paul, he thought it was a joke, genuinely. Yeah. He was like, what are you on about? I'm a central so defender. I was about to say, so this guy's centre-back. Yeah, <laughs> centre-back. Never played up front before, wasn't bought as a striker, anything like that. Trevor Francis was like, play up front. So the first game he played up front, Trevor Francis actually played two. 38-year-old Trevor Francis and Paul Warhurst. That was how bad their injury crisis had got, where the manager at 38 was like, well, I'll play. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I kind of, I'd kind of, i love to see that. I'd love to see like Brendan Rodgers be like, look, guys, things exactly. are bad. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm coming on. Just coming on, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, Paul Warhurst um, played. Anyway, he scored, and he just kept scoring. No. It was, I remember Fairy this, it was so stuff. weird, yeah. So, from January, over a glorious 12-game period, Paul Warhurst scored 12 goals. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That's it, so good. In the FA Cup quarterfinal under the floodlights at Derby in March, he struck twice in a three-all draw, kept the minute, and then he scored the only goal of the replay to send Wednesday to Wembley for the All-Sheffield semi-final Amazing. against United. That's so good. Despite his success, Warhurst doubted himself as a striker, so the story became more and more bizarre when England 
England manager, Graham Taylor, called him up for the World Cup qualifier as a striker. I had no idea this happened. <laughs> this is so crazy. Weird. So weird. Can you imagine that? Right, okay, yeah, we've got Harry Maguire. He'll be uh, supporting Harry Kane up top. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I mean, there was something about it. Warhurst was both footed, so he could score right and left foot, and he was good in the air. So there's an element where... Obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a striker, but he had the raw, so, yeah, the raw totally, tools. Yeah. But also, like look, hearing this, if I was an alien hearing about Paul Warhurst right now, I might think he's the world's greatest player. So he can play in two completely opposing positions, yeah. score goals, defend at the top level. Like yeah. fair play. So Wednesday ultimately got to the cup final on the back of Warhurst. Uh, That's Roy the Rover stuff. Isn't it, it is brilliant, Centre-back isn't it? Turn striker. And there was a, there's a bit of sweet moment to it, and that's kind of as good as the story gets because it got a little bit weird after that. The first bit that was bittersweet was the man Warhurst credited most with his transformation was Chris Waddle. Mm-hmm. So he'd say the service I got from you know from Chris Waddle was unbelievable. Like yeah. you know, it's very difficult not to score goals when you're getting the kind of passes that you're getting from Waddle. Uh, unfortunately. And historically, Graham Taylor ignored Chris Waddle again and again and again and I again. I think we've touched on this briefly, talking yeah. about like creative players might have yeah. intimidated him or might have just been a, a conundrum no he couldn't solve. I mean, he was a main player in the 1990 World Cup. Yeah. Um, but Graham Taylor just didn't like him for whatever reason. So Warhurst was called up and yet again Waddle wasn't, despite the fact Wednesday were on this amazing run, yeah. which Waddle was a very very much a part of and kind of like um, you know, headlining that for Wednesday. Um, unfortunately for Warhurst, a groin injury kept him out of the international, um, but he was back at his club for the FA Cup semi-final win over uh, United, and as in Sheffield United, and then the League Cup final defeat against Arsenal, where a partially fit Hurst could only make the bench. <laughs> so this, Warhurst is out <laughs> in this crazy. bizarre and yeah. surreal. Anyway, when the FA Cup final came around, Francis now had problems at the back with injuries and Hurst was back. Yeah, yeah. So he made the the, the call that he wanted to play Warhurst in defence. That led to a row between Warhurst, who was now eyeing it up. I love the fact that now he's like, no, you've made me a striker. Yeah, I, am a, made, I mean, I'm yeah. an England international, mate. I'm not playing at the back. <laughs> I love that. Just thinking, this is 12 games ago. It's not like yeah. it's been happening for two or three years totally. now. So Francis had created this monster. <laughs> Warhurst was like, I'm not playing at the back. Like, so anyway, so Warhurst claimed that he had earned a place up front, but eventually relented. And this is the deal he did. This is so you haven't won there, Paul. Yeah. He kept the number nine shirt for the final and Hurst wore five. <laughs> I love that. So, in, so the, in the final, David Hurst wears five, plays up front. Warhurst wears nine, plays at the back. That's great, isn't it? And that's it. And he never played up front again. That's crazy. Yeah, and eventually he went to Blackburn, played at the back, all the rest wow. of it. Uh, but it was just a surreal three, four month thing, which, you know, that's that as close as he got to playing for England. But that's so 90s though, because I can think the other two people that come to mind, not they had anything like this kind of romance, but yeah. I do remember Chris Sutton and Dion Dublin being players that could play up front and occasionally. Yeah, Dublin was a centre back, wasn't he? Well, uh, yeah, initially, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So those are the only two I can think about. But there's like, I just cannot imagine it nowadays. The last thing I can think of, and this is a niche memory of mine, <laughs> but I do remember Mourinho chucking Robert Huth when he was Chelsea manager, put Robert Huth up front for like 10 or 15 minutes. I feel like game. they did that a little bit because yeah. he was a bit of a monster, yeah, wasn't yeah, he? A he very was, physical player. Exactly. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's surreal. Absolutely surreal. So a great little story, but ultimately that leads us into the the dullest of dull games of the first one, which we're going to breeze past. Uh, 
Um, Arsenal took the lead in the 20th minute. Ian Wright heading a really good goal, actually. Ian Wright just backs off the defender brilliantly. The cross comes over the top uh, and he um, heads it back across the goalkeeper for Arsenal to take the lead. Uh, and then, interestingly, David Hurst uh, scores the equaliser in the 61st minute. Ah, turning so he, in. he justifies his inclusion. He then. did, yeah. The number five wheeled away celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that was literally honestly you read any read up of the 1993 FA Cup final the first game that's basically it that was the high points yeah Yeah, just those two goals and then nothingness Uh, and just heading towards this replay uh, and and the replay thankfully gracefully was a much better game sure Um, so yeah that's um, that's where we'll head Uh, the replay was on Thursday not Tuesday if you remember when we did the United Palace the replay came literally three days later that's right yeah um, so the FA obviously learned from that unusual for the FA to learn from a mistake <laughs> and and the replay was on the Thursday uh, unfortunately for the fans and for the players the game was um, played in torrential rain Ugh. so the opposite of Wembley weather I was about to say yeah yeah but it led to a much better game uh, as I said earlier the kickoff for the replay was delayed by 30 minutes after an accident on the M1 which uh, delayed the arrival of most of the Wednesday fans mm. bit surreal actually at kickoff the game's half uh, the cra- the ground is half empty yeah that's, because, that must be bizarre yeah, yeah so they were like this is ridiculous we can't start the cup final yeah. with no one here um, so they delayed um, the game by half an hour, and that seemed to make a little bit of the difference. But kind of the fans were coming in throughout the first half, wow. uh, which was a bit surreal for an FA Cup final. Um, Arsenal, on their kind of selection, they promoted Alan Smith to lead the line to the exclusion of, I think, is it the Romford Pele? The Romford Pele, Ray Parler. Ray Parler. So he lost his place um, as Arsenal went to be a little bit more attacking, which is what we said, really, is the first game stalemate. Yeah. And both managers were like, we got to do something here to to change it up Um, interestingly (laughs) so Arsenal did that international striker got in instead of a midfield grafter Uh, Wednesday they moved Carlton Palmer back into central defence oh my god (laughs) I have a strange obsession with Carlton Palmer (laughs) like I don't know what it is I love to hate him because are we going to win this game boss move Carlton to the back (laughs) don't worry guys just tap the side of his nose I've got a plan (laughs) I mean Trevor Francis is one of those managers that I always got the impression he didn't really know what he was doing. That might be unfair because I got a very vague sure. recollection of him. But well, that's the feeling I get. And this kind of fact makes me think, that was the master plan. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Francis to me is just the hairdo. That's all I can picture. Yeah. Yeah, it's glorious, but yeah. What really like Ballsy would have been like, right, Warhurst, Hurst, up front up together. Up front together, put your hands together. Imagine that. <laughs> it's like Captain Planet combining the rings. <laughs> number five, number nine, you're up front. <laughs> Anyway, Arsenal um, were a very, a very different team, but um, the physical part of what Arsenal were known for uh, yeah. in the early 90s, they took a lot of um, criticism from the media for their uncompromising defending in the first game and then again in the second. Um, Rob Hughes for the Miracle, the, the match, a perverse and disturbing affair. Wow. Uh, singling out Tony Adams and John Jensen. Here he is. Here he is. Uh, for some of their particularly robust tackling. Uh, this is a quote from him. The at times insane level of physical commitment in challenging for the ball made it inevitable that players would get hurt, uh, which is a pretty full on. I was about to say, it's really strong language. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. which makes you kind of think, man, we're, I know Arsenal were known for being physical, but I don't particularly remember it. But I mean, Tony Adams used to fly into challenges. He was a bit of a nutter, wasn't yeah. he? But uh, maybe it was the whole team that Arsenal were um, a bit crazy with their physical intimidation. Uh, of the other team. However, it was Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, it was Sheffield Wednesday's Mark Bright, who was the most, um, 
the worst defender. Mark Bright, who played for Palace yeah, in 1990. Yeah, that's right. So now he was against Ian Wright uh, playing for Wednesday. But he, it was a horrible challenge. His blatant and forceful elbow... Uh, in the first half, broke Andy Linnigan, who was Adams's central defend uh, defend par- partner. Yeah, uh, considered to not be at Arsenal for very long because Martin Keown had just been bought, um, and obviously he would um, probably slot in. So Andy Linnigan was playing this game, thinking this is probably not going to be a prolonged Arsenal career, which is interesting to what happens, why I mentioned Andy Linnigan. But anyway, so he played most of the game with a broken nose because of uh, Mark Bright. The referee saw the incident but decided that a yellow card was the appropriate punishment. Not a chance. Yeah. You watch He's it broken back. broken a nose. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not even accidental. Like he literally, it looks like he lo- tries to do it. Um, so anyway, so th- that will come back in a minute, but um, Bright and Linnigan's kind of, uh, kind of um, rivalry Christy and this cast. broken nose. Yeah. Uh, hold on to that one for the end of the game. Anyway, once again, Ian Wright, uh, open the scoring for Arsenal, running through, lovely finish, running onto a through ball to prod the ball over Chris Woods into the corner of the net. Classic righty. Uh, it was the striker's 56th goal in 79 games for Arsenal. Unreal. Absolutely Just, uh, You forget how good right yeah. was, don't you? It's, it's nuts. Um, it was also his fourth goal in FA Cup finals, just one behind the record holder, uh, Ian Rush. Um, so righty was bearing down on him. Unfortunately, he didn't. Wouldn't get it though, would he? He didn't hey. get it, no, he didn't get it. Uh, and then into the second half, um, we had Chris Waddle come into the you know, into the mix. He was absolutely dominant. Someone like must have injected him with something yeah. at halftime. Trevor Francis got his magic potion out or something. <laughs> something changed in Waddle. Uh, I, watching the, the highlights through, I didn't really notice Waddle was playing first half. Second half, you really notice yeah, what sure. I was playing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he hits a brilliant volley. Actually, it gets deflected, but it's a great hit um, to equalise in the 61st minute. Uh, and Wednesday, again, are back in the game, causing Arsenal all sorts of problems. Waddle was... It's amazing Wednesday didn't win the game. Wow. Um, I think if they put Warhurst up front, it probably would have been a different story. Um Mark Bright could have won the cup for Wednesday normal time, but his shot poorly struck, bobbled against the post, um, and the the mirror writer couldn't help but call it swift karma for his earlier assault on Linnigan. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so the game goes into extra time, the longest final game, extra time, game delayed game, into extra time. Uh, and after four hours of football, um, with the first <laughs> what ever, a sentence! Oh man, yeah, with the first ever FA Cup final penalty shootout looming, which you can almost hear the the commentators like, "Can we just yeah. get this one decided?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're like looking forward to it rather than watch any more football. Arsenal won a corner uh, with one minute to go. Uh, Paul Merson goes over, and even he looks like he's trying to play for penalties. Yeah, he sure. takes so long to take this corner. Um, central defender Annie Linnigan, uh, he rises highest. Guess who he outjumps? Mark Bright. Mark Bright um, uh, um, rises highest from Paul Mer- from the Paul Merson corner to head the ball goalwards. Brilliant header. Chris Woods kind of gets to it. Some say he fumbled it. Some say the header was just too strong. Um, he just pushes it up uh, up into the net. Graham Hyde tries to clear it off the line. Um, I think it was already over the line, but he hits it up into the top of the net anyway. Uh, and the, the game is decided in literally the last minute of the second game in extra time. The one bit of drama finally there. Yeah, yeah. And it's brilliant, really. I remember, like, there's, I remember, there's a few, like, um, articles and stuff where, like, we'd have nothing really to write about other than the broken nose. Sure, yeah. But it gave the, it gave the game narrative. Yeah. Which is A nuts, sense of redemption. Yeah, just totally. Yeah. There's a story. Linnigan got his broken nose and he played through and he, he scores the winner. Uh, and he's probably done. 
um, with his Arsenal career because Keown's arrived yeah, uh, from a multi-million pound deal. Um, so uh, fittingly, it was that Linnigan uh, uh, that won the game um, and out jumping Bright specifically at the corner uh, to be able to do that. Um, so we're going to go into the aftermath. <laughs> Can you please give it its correct name? <laughs> give the fans what they want. I'll, I'll get texts. I'll get tweets. Extra time. Well, you have just witnessed 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. Mate, I feel like extra time's been overused in this episode because... Because of the actual extra yeah, time. Yeah, we've had extra time and then extra time and now you want me to do more Would you prefer time? injury time? Injury no, time. that's going to confuse things time in later extra on. Time. Yeah, that's, yeah, let's uh, just, you know. The aftermath. <laughs> I've definitely got to come up with another jingle for when you use that now. <laughs> anyway, during extra time, bloody hell. During extra time in the replay, Alan Smith, interestingly, just a couple of um, uh, info bits to kind of finish this one off. Alan Smith received the only yellow card of his professional career. Wow, I didn't realise that. Yeah, I didn't like know that either. Near so, enough for Gary Lineker. Yeah, but obviously Lineker's the famous one for never getting booked throughout his career. Alan Smith only was booked once his entire career. In- that's quite impressive because he was a relatively physical guy. Like yeah. he wasn't uh, like a small diminutive player that didn't get involved in well, stuff. Well, Lin- Lineker, I've read about Lineker, he used to say, because obviously pace was his main thing. Yeah. Obviously challenging the air, but he wasn't like Smith as in he'd get yeah, physical exactly. up in the air. Generally, like he's going to get out-jumped by most, you know, big central defenders. Lineker did. Yeah. Um, so he it kind of played into his hands that he didn't need to be particularly physical because his pace would often yeah. lead to him being fouled. Sure. Alan Smith wasn't fast. No. But he was physical and a bit gangly and yeah. a bit, you know, I can see his elbows kind of exactly, being everywhere. Exactly, yeah. And that's, that's, well, as I picture him, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what he was booked for. He was going up for a challenge in the air. But wow. never happened before or since. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah fair so play. Fair play, Alan. Anyway, this was um, the the first FA Cup final which saw squad numbers used. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know why. I pictured in my head. But. So they've been trialled. They'd only been trialled in the League Cup final previously um, with Arsenal Sheffield Wednesday a few weeks before. And, and then they trialled them again uh, in the FA Cup final. Uh, players from both clubs retain the same numbers for the three matches, the League Cup final, the That's FA cool. Cup final and the replay. Uh, and the system was fully adapted then, uh, adopted by the Premier League for the following season. That's crazy. So, I thought it had been in earlier. Yeah. No, yeah, clearly So uh, like something that you and I just like, oh, that's the way it's always yeah, been. Yeah. Not at all. That was 93 only uh, that, that happened. And then finally, um, a disappointing league season in which Arsenal finished 10th uh, and didn't even manage to average a goal a game. Oh, that's dour, in isn't this it? Season. That is so the, dire. the whole kind of like boring, boring Arsenal. Yeah, there is an element where it fits. Yeah, like well, yeah, phys- physical, boring Arsenal. Yeah, so this was actually a, um, uh, it was a blog. I read this on Arsenal uh, Gunners. I don't know, Gunners Galore or something like that. I was reading this on. This is the quote. For, so from a diehard Arsenal fan, uh, didn't even manage to average a goal a game and played some truly dire football, especially at home. Oh, it's not what you want, is Interesting, it? isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, boring, boring Arsenal. As a non-Arsenal fan, me and you yeah. would say that. But actually as an Arsenal fan, they were like, we were awful to watch. And yet here they were winning the cup final, yeah, sure, having yeah. won the League Cup final. George Graham gets some success, yeah. which is interesting. Again, this kind of narrative of one thing leads to another. So this season really was disappointing. Tenth for a team that had won the title two years before, uh, and then they'd won it two years before. Then they won it twice in three years, didn't they? So a team that had relatively recently been successful, um, 
had finished 10th and they got away with it because they won two cup finals. So as well as those two pieces of silverware, the whole thing about one thing leading to another is the resulting European qualification would prove just as important ensuring Arsenal qualified for the European Cup Winners' Cup the following season, which they then won. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. against Palmer won. That's them. right, yeah. So amazingly, really, they're going through these seasons where if they hadn't won those games, it'd been a little bit like the George Graham era was awful. Yeah, sure. Uh, but because they won those cups at the right time. Silverware covers a multitude Amazing, of isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like you think of obviously Ollie being uh, fired. Yeah. Like if he'd won the UEFA Cup instead of losing it on penalties. I'm not saying it would have saved him because football's different now anyway. Yeah. But there's an element where you kind of think, God, well, how much does a piece of silverware save you? Yeah, sure. Even if it's a cheap piece of silverware that... Well, it's interesting, like, you know, talking about last week with Sunes, obviously, that he wins something in his first season. Yeah, you yeah. wonder, would he have got three seasons if we hadn't won that FA Cup? Because in the league we were awful yeah. so you wonder yeah if we'd lost that FA Cup final would he have gone a season earlier or half like a season and a half earlier yeah, yeah absolutely I mean the league matters a lot more now doesn't it in terms of position is paid for yeah exactly um, yeah. whereas I doubt it was before Premier League it wasn't like that it would have just you know winners get something and then the rest is what you get but I think now clubs prioritise the league more because they get more money out of it yeah, it, it can literally change the entire fortunes of a club. Yeah. Whereas the FA Cup is just, it's the big day out. It's an amazing memory. It's a moment to celebrate. Yeah. The, the, the high of winning it is higher. Yeah. But in terms of long-term effect. Well, you think of um, Louis van Gaal. That he won the FA Cup final yeah, and that's got fired. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that says it all really, yeah, doesn't sure, it? Like, yeah. yeah, that's great, Louis, but you're gone anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. The 1993 FA Cup final. Forgettable, but Paul Warhurst. What a story. I, I'm going to go to bed and dream about Paul Warhurst <laughs> tonight. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back again next week with another FA Cup final. Yeah.